Today's episode of Old School Red Hill is in part sponsored by Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. You know, we talk a lot about going home here on the podcast. And well, quite frankly, if you're going to go home to the Bridgeport area, there's nothing like a great meal at Gray's. 75 years they've been in that location. Four generations of the Gray family has greeted you with a smile each and every time you walked in the door. They still cut their own steaks on site, and I don't care where you go in this area, you'll always hear somebody say, oh yeah, that restaurant over in Bridgeport where we got those great catfish dinners. Well, they've still got that too. Take a look on the Facebook page, and they always post their daily lunch specials and any other dinner specials that they may have. And during these crazy times of this pandemic, you can still dine in, at least as of right now. But if not, or if you just can't or don't want to, you can always call 618-945-9501 and pick up your dinner through that world-famous pickup window in the back. I've done that several, several times. Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. There's nothing like a dinner there. Makes you feel like home. 618-945-9501. Farming is an important American tradition. That's why People's State Bank has been working with farmers and their families since 1875. We've had the privilege of serving a wide variety of livestock and agricultural needs. As a community bank, we take pride in the personal relationships we've built over generations. From bidding on animals shown by young farmers in the 4-H ring at the county fair, to welcoming those same farmers into our offices with their first business for the family farm, our customers are more than an account number in a computer. From a sporting standpoint, People State Bank has been a longtime partner with the school districts, sponsoring academic projects, athletic teams, travel, uniforms, and much, much more. We have also been proud to support Pack the Place for the last 10 years, paying everyone's admission for one of the county rival basketball games each year. Find convenient locations in Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank thanks you for allowing us to be a part of your lives and appreciates the opportunity to serve and give back to our communities in this way. People's State Bank. Every step I take, I know that I'm not alone. You take the home from a boy, but not the boy from his home. These are my streets, and only Thank you very much for tuning in to another podcast dealing with old school Red Hill Saluki sports. We appreciate you listening each and every week, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever else I can, I'm missing. I think pretty much wherever. If you listen to a podcast somewhere else that it, we're not on there, just let me know and I'll get it on there. But, uh, this week's episode, as always, is co-hosted by Mr. Chip Jamerson. Hey, Brian. I'm good to be back. We got a we got a good one planned for tonight. Very, very good. Uh, Gary Emmons and David King. Hey, hi, Brian. How's it going? Uh, going good. Uh, Chip, who we got this week? Yeah, Mandy Cunningham. She's a 1990 Red Hill graduate. Um, big time career. We'll get. I'm sure we'll get into some of her stats and accolades on on the show. But yeah, Mandy Cunningham will be our our guest coming up here in just a few minutes. Gary, what's your thoughts of Mandy uh, as you watched her when she was in high school? 
an amazing scorer. I mean, it's a and, and uh, a great person as well. Has done amazing things in her uh, post high school and college life. And uh, but no, but going back to those days and is just amazing. She could just fill it up, and it was it was uh, awesome to watch those girls teams play. Dave, you have a unique position that you not only watched her in high school, but you were at U of I at about that same time. Um, what was it like watching her on both levels? When I got to campus, um, I remember one thing I'll never forget. I'm, I'm going walking down the street with some of my fraternity brothers. Her and Mary Martha walk by and you know to speak speak to me, and they everyone just kind of looks at me and is like, "You know her?" I was like, "Yeah, I went to high school with her." She's like. She's one of the best basketball players I've ever seen. <laughs> and, you know, kind of put kind of put Red Hill, you know, when I would tell them I'm from a small town, never heard of it. And that just kind of, you know, it's kind of connected things. Right. And all of a sudden, Red, all of a sudden, Bruce Borton, Red Hill wasn't such a joke to him. Anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, before we get to Mandy, and we're really excited to have her. And, and again, we've said this a couple of times, but this is a no brainer. You know, you get, you got to get the best basketball player in school's history on, on the podcast when we can. So hope you enjoy that. Um, you're going to hear them throughout the show, but please make sure you let our sponsors know people, state bank, uh, Gray's restaurant, the pizza house and Andrew's insurance agency. Let them know that you heard them here on the old school red Hill podcast. We appreciate them being part of it and, uh, let them know and, and uh, give them your business. They're, they're supporting us and we, and we truly, truly appreciate that. But first we've got to get to our segment on our last podcast. We covered 1980 and the 1981 school year. So the question is, who won 80-81? And the winner is... I'm going with my heart here and I got to go with Doug Shank. I mean, the, the guy won every single race that year in the, in the hundred yard and the, and the hundred meter dash. And he won the first two heats at state. And then he gets DQ'd for a false start in the state championship. <laughs> heartbreaking. Just, just, I've thought about that ever since then. It's like, just, Oh, it's a heartbreak. So by God, he's going to win this one for me. Doug Shank gets a vote for who won. David King, talk to me. Who won 1980, 1981? I'm I'm going to give you a winner, and I'm going to give you an honorable mention. All right. um, I'm going to go with Doug. I'm going to go with Doug Shank as well. Um, I never knew that story before that, and it's I mean it's just <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> honorable mention uh, goes to one Doug Stevenson. All right. Um, it's an incredible. It's an incredible. Uh, an incredible birthday party hosted yes. by that kid. So. And the and the sweet tea that Brian and Gary talked about. I, oh, I yeah. never had their sweet tea. I feel like I missed out on something no, there. But I'm gonna recur I am gonna correct you on something, Chip. Not only have you mm. never had their sweet tea, you've never had sweet tea unless you <laughs> okay. unless you tasted their sweet tea. Well, and just to go along with that, Dave, uh, I actually got a message from Doug um, after that episode, and he just really was thanking us for um um, the kind words we said about him and his family. It was really kind of honored to have a little, a small little segment on the podcast where we talked yeah. about his family. So that yeah. meant a lot to me. It meant a lot yeah. to him and it meant a lot yeah. to me I, to, to get that message. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Great. Chip, who won 80 81? 
Well, it was, there were so many, uh, Jody Moans won my honorable, she's an honorable mention for me. Uh, definitely could have won this award. Of course, Shank and Berkeley and Chuck. Um, I talked a lot about them, but for me, it's the head coach of the girls basketball team. Um, Dr. Paul Tugall. All right. Um, for me, he, he guided that ship to the sweet 16 and, um, just kind of researching him leading up to that podcast, just kind of, it brought back a lot of good memories of being in his class and then getting to learn more about him as a coach. I only really knew him as a teacher. So on a personal level, like Paul, Paul Tugall was my winner of that podcast. Great. And I'm going to, I thought a lot about this um, and what really touched base with me and a lot of our listeners. I honestly had as many comments about this as I had about anything. So my victor in the contest of 8081 is the TV news. <laughs> I had more people say I had forgot all about the TV news and, uh, and I had people texting me pictures of it. And, uh, so that, uh, and if you, if you don't still don't know what we're talking about, ask somebody a little older than you, uh, because the TV news like, was awesome. I'd like to know, and I can maybe talk to Doug on this. Um, I'm not friends with Dickie on Facebook, um, but, I'd like to know if Dickie still has that collection of TV news that um, that we remembered from back then. He may have like I don't know if he taped the covers to the wall or he just had them like in a box. I can't remember, but <laughs> I know it was. Um, yeah, I there was a lot of TV news that were some back issues there. I know. Well, so. you know it was a good podcast when the winners are Doug Shank, Doug Stevenson, Paul Tugall, and the TV news. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's take a break uh, from our sponsors, and we will come right back with the fantastic Mandy Cunningham-Wilsey on the Old School Red Hill podcast. A longtime supporter of Red Hill Athletics, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor on the Old School podcast, is the Andrews Insurance Agency. Right there at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport, Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents, and they can cover your farm, your personal or your commercial insurance needs. Call 618-945-2881 and tell Juice and T-Bone that you heard about them right here on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Another great sponsor of the Old School Red Hill Podcast is Griffin's Pizza House. You know where they're at, right there across from the football field in Bridgeport. You can dine in, drive through, or call 618-945-3663 and they can deliver a hot pizza right to your door. Serving all the great food Tuesday through Sunday from 4 to 9, Tyler Griffin and the Pizza House. And our next guest on the Old School Red Hill podcast is one that we had circled for a long time that we would, would uh, put near the front of, of all of the shows. Um, we have the most prolific scorer, the most prolific player in Red Hill basketball history, Mandy Cunningham-Wilsey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Well, hey, real quick, let's just kind of start where we're at right now. Tell everybody where you're living and, and what you got going on uh, in your life today. That'd be great. Yes. Yeah, so I live in Evansville, Indiana. So I'm actually, I've gone full circle around pretty much all the Midwest. I've gone from, well, Bridgeport to Champaign to, um, well, Evansville, then we moved to Atlanta, then we were in, well, back to Evansville, <laughs> then back to Columbus, Ohio, uh, Indianapolis, and now what I feel like is back home and where I want to be for quite a while. 
um, at least till we get these kids out the door and then go someplace warmer. Warmer, but, right. Um, I've been fortunate and so blessed uh, with an amazing career. Uh, but on top of that, uh, I have a family now too. I have a husband, Gary, which some people may remember. He actually coached at Red Hill for a hot second. And I have three boys. So here, you know, I have all the history of the girls basketball, but I've been blessed with three boys. So, which has been great because I'm probably more of a sports mom <laughs> than not. So my oldest is a freshman at Purdue. So while not at Illinois, he is in the Big Ten. So I, I like that. I have another senior now. So he's the senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And they um, play for my husband, Gary, which is so exciting as a mom. That's probably yeah. <laughs> like if you think about things that you'd love to see in your life, um, that to me was a wish and it came through, uh, came true, which is one of the reasons why we're back in Evansville. Great. And, and he's at Evansville Day, right? Yes, he yeah. is. Good deal. Good deal. Well, let's go back to where it all began in Bridgeport. Gary, you want to uh, you want to take us from here? Absolutely. So, obviously, we know about your father, and we'll get into your family more as we probably go through this. But uh, your your dad was a, a legend at, at BTHS, and you know was on a team that was the uh, and he was the star of the team. Let's not let's not say he was, and he was a star on the team that finished second in the state in 1960. When did you realize the your dad's success that he had and going on to play basketball in college at Purdue? When, when did you kind of understand all of that? When did all that uh, come to you? Um, you know, it's really weird because as a family, we never really talked about that kind of stuff, even for myself or us girls. We, I don't know. And I think it's so different today how families are always talking about, you know, what sports history and what they want to do and, you know, at such a young age. Um, I would say as a kid, as much as anything, because dad would go outside and in the back, you know, behind the, the house mm -hmm. and we'd play basketball, we'd shoot baskets. We played so many games with pig and horse. I can't even count. Um, so I would guess it was more around just knowing my dad was a good, not so much because he played, um, you know, it was some kind of star at Bridgeport high school or because he you know, played at Purdue or anything. I just witnessed it firsthand because I'd watch you make all these shots and beat me all the time. <laughs> Game slowed down once uh, I started beating him, though. There were fewer and fewer. Um, but it, it's weird. Like, I would say one of the biggest moments for me was when my dad's uh, number was retired. And so I was, um, I believe, in high school, maybe junior high or early high school. And I think that's when it really hit, when they retired his number. And I saw all these people there that had watched him play and be successful. Uh, so it, I don't know. Growing up, it was really not about his accolades, but I just saw him. I saw him play. I knew he was good. Yeah. And you're basically born into it. I mean, basketball was obviously a, probably a big, big point of your guys' uh, your childhood. And um, when did you really find that you loved it? You know, kids play a lot of different sports and we all did all kinds of stuff running around Bridgeport and things. When did you find out basketball was like, this was, this was it for me? Um, I think it was more the older I got because for me going out and playing basketball, it was, some kids, you know, you have to tell them, trust me, I have three kids. I understand that. Tell them, are you going to go shoot? I, nobody had to tell me. I just love to go out there and play. And I don't know if it was the competitive nature that just made me want to get better and better, but I just loved it. Like it wasn't a chore for me to go shoot baskets. I, I enjoyed it. So I would say Maybe I didn't truly realize how much I loved it till I got probably to high school and, and maybe even into college, because when you play at that level, it becomes it's a job and you're up at 6 a.m. for a swim workout in college. Like 
that's not easy for any of you that have been there (laughs) getting up at 6 a.m. with all the class loads and everything else you're doing in college. I think it was at that point, I'm like, I just loved it because I saw so many people fall out because they didn't. If you don't love it at that level, you won't make it. Yeah. And, and, you know, to that, to that uh, point, can you talk about the regimen that you had? I mean, I, I, I think I remember you or your dad talking about, you had a certain set of shooting drills that you did again on your own. I mean, I remember, you know, we'd be driving by or walking by and you were out there shooting baskets on, on the goal out, out back. Can you talk about that, that kind of regimen that you had in training? Sure. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, um, it was like hot shot and you'd play it at camp and you'd get points for shooting at different places on the goal. Well, my sister and I, we went out and, and we took spray paint and we spray painted those spots on our, our driveway court where we played out back it's because that way, you know, we knew that we were shooting in the right spots and we could rack up points, you know, right. <laughs> we went to yeah. camp. that's how weird we were. Right. Um, so I think it was just, you know, I remember uh, shooting just numbers of times from every spot and then like like putting on a little clock, you know, okay, I got a minute. So I'd run and, you know, you get your own rebound and you run to another spot. And um, I mean, just things like that, shooting free throws, because that was kind of easy to do. If it, even if it was just me, but even me and my sisters, cause Mary, Mary and I played together quite a bit, just being one year apart. Did you attend many camps locally? I don't know how many there were, or if there were any specific for girls or boys or whatever, but I know you went to the BU camp uh, at least one year. Uh, any other camps that you attended? Gary, you're right. I did go to VU camp. Uh, I went like with Monica and Mary Martha. We went to ISU to some uh, to camp, maybe a couple summers. Um, really, and I hate to say, you know, back in the day, but it has been over 30 years um, since I was in high school. Uh, oh, we know. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> firsthand, right? Yeah. Um, we just didn't go to that many camps and certainly there wasn't all the AAU and summer leagues like there are today. So, um, a lo- so much of our time was really just spent, uh, back there behind the house playing a lot of basketball and maybe a camp or two in the summer. Um, I went to only camp. Actually, one of my dad's good friends was, um, Alan Dietz and he was the coach at only, they had a pretty good team. I'd go over there, um, in like, uh, like elementary and and middle school to their camps. I'm not sure they liked me so much, but I did go to their camps. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things I think Jody Moan, who we talked about one of our previous podcasts, has such a great career at Red Hill, went to VU. Um, and you're probably going to get, we're not trying to embarrass you, but we want to know, we want the listeners to understand how prolific you were. So I'm going to start with some of the early. Uh, at that camp at VU, you made the all-tournament team. There was some sort of an all-team camp, and you were also the the, the top uh, best, it's the way it was worded in the newspaper, the best field goal shooter in that in that camp that year. So the accolades probably started maybe even before that, but that's when they definitely, definitely started for sure with that particular camp I know of. What do you remember about Elks hoop shoots? I know you won one of the, at least one of those that I know that I saw in the paper, and I, I always thought it was fun, too, at least – I'm sure it was the same for you and uh, Chip and Brian. I know like we had to like, you had to qualify for the hoop shoot at the high school and you did it on the outdoor courts when you were first through fourth grade, you didn't yep. seed school, you know, to qualify to even make it to that next round. So what do you remember about Elks hoop shoots? You know, I remember exactly what you just said, Gary, that you, I remember going out at seed school and shooting on those outdoor uh, rims. You never knew what you were going to get. Or what uh, height they were. Yeah. I mean, you never yeah. knew that either. <laughs> And 
I guess for me, sometimes I always felt like there was a lot of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Grief if Mandy Cunningham doesn't win the, the, at least the local school hoop shoot, you know, what's, what's the world come to. So um, my sisters actually were so much better at the hoop shoot than I was. In fact, Melinda went to the nationals, Um, but I don't think I ever made it out of districts, but it was one of those where for me, it was, it was competitive. I enjoyed that part of it, but I much, much rather be out there playing the game than just standing there shooting free throws in front of a whole bunch of people. Um, But yeah, I remember, I remember those days. I remember to go and you'd shoot like five one day, then you'd shoot five the next day. Instead of just shooting all 25. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> they, they probably thought we were getting worn out shooting 25 at the time. I guess. I don't know. And going back, there was no girls team in fifth and sixth grade. Um, did you play on the boys team or did you, was that ever talked about? Or was it just like back, back then and that, that was just a no-no? I mean, how did that, what's your remembrance of that? Uh, we didn't play. Uh, there was the school team, the boys. Right. But, um, I never played on that. And I, I think now it would be more, accepted. Um, but I don't know at that point it wasn't never talked about it, but I do have to tell you, I told Brian, I was looking at stuff, but look what I found my little national junior pro. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so I, uh, I played junior pro. So all the girls that I went through school with, we all played junior pro. We had the opportunity to go to uh, Knoxville to the nationals, uh, one year. So that's pretty much where my, uh, actual game playing happened prior to getting into junior high. And you look at that, like the, t- today it's so different with AAU and, you know, some kids play one sport nearly year round. Right. It was a much, much different time uh, back then, back then for sure. And I knew, I don't know if junior pro, how much I know I, I had found looking at the, I maybe posted some of those teams not too long ago that like there was two girls teams and there was like 15 girls on each team. You're like, could they not have broken enough to at least have four teams? It didn't make much sense. And I'm not sure how many junior pro teams that you remember playing on. Was that a thing that was throughout your your younger years? Uh, gosh, I, I can't remember when it started, but yeah, there at Red Hill, that's there would I think we had a couple of teams. So yeah. they kind it was of just two teams back to all yeah. I could find. Yeah. And you just play each other. In fact, I remember one year we played the boys. So, uh, you know, the, the guys the year ahead of us, Stacy Lance, Mark, mm-hmm. all those guys. I remember we played them. Well, okay. We were good for a girls team, but there is a difference, right, between girls and boys. So. <laughs> but I think they were just trying to find ways for us to, you know, to, to improve and get better. So you do that through playing better competition. Yeah, for sure. Now, did did your dad take over your eighth grade year at the varsity level or did he start when you became a freshman? He took over. I think I might have been a seventh. Grader. Maybe so. OK, I thought he took over before you got in high school. Yeah, Mr. Edwards had been the coach, and he was retiring, and they didn't really have anybody to take it over. And anyway, I found a great Chicago Tribune article after your freshman year. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it. And they were talking about how Steve took over, and it was a great line. He said, "You know, the the guy that was the coach was the librarian, and he knows about as much about basketball as I know about being a librarian." <laughs> <laughs> I thought great. I thought that was great. You know, one of the things I want to mention too, which was kind of a really a nice, cool accolade in 1985, you were named the U.S. National Award winner in basketball. And in the article, I found. Do you remember that? No. Okay. Well, that was something you won in 85. Congratulations. Yeah. Less less than 10% of uh, student athletes qualified for this. And it was, of course, wasn't based on just basketball. It was a whole 
whole slew of different uh, according grades and different things like that and mental attitude and all these different things. And that was something you got. And uh, coach Richard Dixon was the one that uh, uh, nominated you for that. So um, I know he, he coached you and he was part of the boys basketball team for a long time. I know he, he coached the boys track and you had in junior high, you were on the track team as well. Do you know how, like, why would he, why would he have done that for you? Do you remember why? I don't remember why to be completely transparent. Um, yeah. But it, uh, how kind though, right? Um, yeah. I think, I think it's one of those things when maybe as a kid, you don't realize it, but now, you know, where I am in life, you can totally understand when you see a kid and you feel like, hey, this, this kid works hard um, and the hard work is paying off. And you see that, um, you know, they're, they, they're at least trying to be good, good people, right? Yeah. I see maybe why he did it. Um, and I think now I can probably more appreciate it maybe than I would have, you know, 30 some years ago. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was really neat. I thought that was a neat thing to see. November 22nd of the 1985. Date ring a bell, Mandy? I'm, I'm sure it probably doesn't for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> you broke the junior high record, single game scoring 39 points. Uh, just three weeks earlier, Dave Hobbs had set the, the record of 37. And in the article, there was an article in the Daily Record I thought it was kind of funny. It says Cunningham did not play in the third quarter with Red Hill leading 48 to 24. Uh, Mrs. Waite uh, said that they saw Cunningham was on the record, uh, on the pace to break the record. And we just and she said, we decided to go for the record and put you back in to play the fourth quarter. And you end up scoring enough points, enough points to do it. What do you remember about playing for Mrs. Waite? I remember Mrs. Waite as a PE teacher when I was there. And what do you remember about playing for her? You know what? I think a lot of people, um, she had kind of a tough exterior, but she was a really nice person. Mm -hmm. And I'll be, again, honest. My dad would send uh, plays with me to school to give to her. (laughs) She could start to to run things kind of... to what you know, they we would be running like a feeder, yeah. an unofficial yeah. feeder program. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? She could have really just been like, "This is you know, you can just keep your plays. I've got, I've got what I do here." But she took them, uh, integrated them. Uh, she was, I don't know, always really a kind person. And um, you know what? I, I think sometimes people thought, well, she doesn't maybe know what she's doing, but I will tell you, like, she, she was a great person and she really took all of us girls and, and worked, you know, got what she could out of us. And we, she saw, we saw a lot of success. So I really like Mrs. Waite. And I think the older I got as my sister, my youngest sister was playing, got to know her better, maybe on a more adult level. And I don't know, she's a good person. And right. my, co- he taught with her, um, Gary did. So then he got to know her too. And uh, she's good people. Yeah. I would agree with that because the year before Gary, your Gary was, was hired on. I was a, a long-term substitute when Mr. Fife was ill and I had my own dealings with her in junior high. And I know I was a jerk in junior high. I know that. And I was, we probably butted heads a lot. Let's say I was with her for like two or three months and same exact same thing. You know, you get a different appreciation for someone when you get to know them a little bit better. And it was, uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. She was a really, really good person. You know, you guys had, Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, I've got an, uh, an eighth grade girl basketball player, my daughter, Olivia sitting next to me. And when you started reading those <laughs> stats of those eighth grade games, she just looked at me like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 
you guys had some success in seventh grade. And then, of course, there's no postseason tournament when you're a seventh grader and they do that in eighth grade. And you guys, uh, in February of 86, you guys did win the regional championship in the seventh grade. You guys beat Mount Carmel. You scored, uh, you had 28 of the 42. Uh, I thought that was just great. And you were talking about shooting free throws and things. And probably when you look at almost even boys' uh, box scores now, and that game, you guys were 16 and 19 from the free throw line. And junior high basketball, I can't imagine that, uh, that happened very often, but that's probably an amazing stat that I was to see there. That that's a, an amazing free throw percentage. So obviously, you guys probably worked on. I, I don't know how many of those you had, Mandy. You probably had several of them, but, uh, more than likely. But and then you guys went on and what they they called it back then the sub sub state, and you did get knocked out that. But you had an eighteen and one season, a fantastic season with. Uh, uh, Barbie Byerly, I don't know if she didn't make it all the way through, but she looked like she was uh, the name of the box tour quite a bit, of course, with Denise and uh, and uh, Monica. So, you know, I think the, that kind of took you through. The, we're we're jump-started now into, like I said, the, probably the most amazing career in, in uh, high school sports. And uh, I'm going to now segue it over to Chip. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. So I think Mandy will we'll start off with, I just got some questions, kind of overview questions, and then we can maybe, if we need to, um, dig into some exact games and moments and things like that. And some of these might, we might talk about them in, in this area. So, so you mentioned your dad took over as head coach when you were in seventh grade. So, so you're coming into the program as a freshman and uh, some of the players in the program that you had been playing with were um, Missy Ferguson, uh, Robin Brinkman, Deanna Holloway, uh, Yvette Hutchings, of course, you'd play with for a couple years. And, um, and then you and Denise came in, I think started, started right away. So, so kind of talk about that transition from junior high to high school. Uh, did the older kids, were you, were you accepted right away? Well, dad had actually had me come in seventh and eighth grade. I would go to some of his practices and he'd put me on the other team, like on the, I guess you call it scout team. So it wasn't like it was the first time that they were playing with, against me or with me. Um, so I think, and they, you know, they had seen me play from that perspective. So I think I had earned some credibility even in middle school with them um, to be competitive with them. Um, you know what? They were so nice to me because, you know, I think about it today and I, I even see it right in boys basketball because I'm really close with that. You know, a freshman comes in, you've got seniors, you've got juniors and you're, you're taking people's playing time right at the end of the day. Um, but you know what? They were actually very nice to me. Nobody, um, nobody bullied me, picked on me. Um, I think they understood my role on the team and their role uh, on the team. And I, I, I was very fortunate. Now, I don't know what they were saying behind my back, but uh, I can tell you at practice and even at school, nobody, nobody picked on me or made me feel unwanted. <laughs> And then, like I said, we're going to do some overview questions here. I know you you mentioned Mary Martha's a year behind you. And so your sophomore year, you got to play, you got to start playing with her. I always remember, um, I'm pretty sure this is correct. I think her first game as a freshman, I don't think she started. And I think your dad realized after that, that, in that of course, you probably start every game the, re the next four years. But so just talk about, um, uh, I know Melinda had a big career too, but you were, a little bit more of an age difference there. So you never got to play alongside her, but just kind of talk about all those years playing with Mary Martha. I know we're going to talk about college later, but in for high, high school and college, so for the next several years, getting to play with her most of those years. Yeah, Chip, it's funny you say that. We were just talking about that the other day here at our house because we have a freshman son. And I was telling them that with Mary Martha, dad purposely 
he, she played JV. He's like, well, I don't want people, you know, I've already had Mandy that started as a freshman and I don't want people to think that, you know, Hey, there's my kids. So I'm playing them. I want people to know that, you know, that they have earned that spot. Um, so she didn't start, but he thought, well, she'll play JV. She'll play fine. And then, you know, it'll make sense. Then she'll play varsity. She had a horrible JV game. And he's like, well, that's great. My whole <laughs> channel just went down the tubes, but you're right. She did come in later and, and she started and started every game after that. And I think like Mary Martha was always like the built-in best friend. Right. So like all through school, in some ways I always say, and I tell her now, right. She, she she's like, Mandy, don't worry about it. But I always feel like, gosh, if you had played somewhere else without me, right. I think she could have just been, she was a great athlete. She was more athletic than I was. I was a better shooter. She's a better athlete. Um, but she was content. We talked earlier about love of the game. I loved the game. She thought it was okay to play, but she did not love it. And she was definitely more of a mechanical shooter. I'm more of a natural shooter. Um, so she, she definitely embraced her role as the point guard, as distributing the ball. Um, but she did step up, uh, later, uh, when I was a senior and against some, some of the really good competition, like T-Town, you know, she stepped up and, um, in the game that we beat them, she, I think was the difference maker. Yeah. And then I know her senior year after you had left, she had a real big season that year. I think she scored maybe 40, the first game of the year that year. So it's like, wow. We, and, uh, didn't score 35 a game or anything, but still put up big numbers, but, and then got to join you the, the following year at U of I. And so we'll get into that more later. So, so Mary Martha, obviously one of your teammates you played with for three years there. So just kind of talk, we'll talk about some of your other teammates. I know there's, there's dozens of them, so we can't get to all of them, but just some of those, you know, like, like Denise Bowser, I know you mentioned something on our, in our group about her career and so forth. And, well, sure. I think probably the most underrated player that I played with was Denise. And I say underrated because much like my sister, Mary Martha, if she would have played on a team without me, she she would be the one sitting here talking right now because she she's a she's a phenomenal player, but she has a phenomenal work ethic also. Um, I mean, she and I were always battling it out in the classroom, on the basketball court. But I say that, but we were also friends. And I think you know, just the success she's had just in life um, speaks to the kind of person she is. So I feel like when I think of a high school teammate, she has to rise to the top. And then I, I will continue to say probably one of the most underrated uh, players that I ever played with. Um, and then Monica, she was my just my best friend, right? Just through life, my best friend. Um, and it was always me, Mo and Ma. So anybody who went to the games, because you had Mary, who was M-E, <laughs> Mandy, M-A, and then Monica, M-O, so all the, um, you know, all the opposing teams had to put Mima and Mo up there. So we always had, you know, a good laugh about that. And, um, you know, M uh, Michelle Weiss, she is a year older than me. And it, I would call her just one of the most unselfish team players. Her job was to set screens for me. She knew how to screen people off the top of the zone on the backside. So I'd be wide open. Like she never cared about scoring. She literally now... I don't know what she, she would say today, but like, literally she was like, how could she get me open? Like she, I mean, talk about the ultimate team member, right? right. Like she, just, she loved to win. 
And she knew her job was how could she help me get open? And then she would go rebound the basketball. Wow. Um, Those are the kind of roles that make great teams. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, again, probably don't hear much about her, but as a part of that, that team, when I was a junior, I mean, she was a critical part of that team. Um, Mm -hmm. Cherry Davis kind of backfilled her then when Michelle left and during my senior year. So Cherry came in, uh, took on a lot of the same role that um, Michelle had. Um, You know, there was a core of about six or seven of us through the course of, of my career through high school. And you've pretty much named off all of them between, you know, there was me, Monica, Mary, Denise, um, Michelle. Um, you'd mentioned Yvette. Yvette was there my first two years. And I mean, talk about just one of the sweetest people. Um, again, no ego, just out there to do whatever it took. And and whether it's, you know, I can say it now, right or wrong, a lot of times their job was to get me open and get me the ball. Yeah. And yeah, and I think and they, we, they, we had so much success during your four years, and it's, I think, people knowing their role on the team and knowing that you had three players there that could have been superstars in other programs, and um, but people knowing their job was to set screens or yeah. rebound or, or, I mean, that's, I think, a big part of the success, why we had that success. I agree. And so, um, let's talk about some of your opponents. Who was the, who's the best player you played against in high school? Vicki Klingler? Um, maybe, I guess, see, uh, I just feel like with T-Town, they were just such a, a system. Oh like, yeah. They were, I've got, cause I've got one game here. One of the games, I think they beat us in sectionals. They scored 50 points and they had five players score that game and all five of them had 10 points. I mean, so oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, like it's hard to pinpoint yeah. one player for them. They just, um, so it was almost my dad would call it robotic, right? Yeah, it they, was, they yeah. The system so well. There wasn't one person you could just um, key on or whatever. But to your point, yeah, Vicky, uh, Connie Ruhal, um, both of those were my teammates at Illinois too. Um, you know, really good high school players. Um, actually, when I was uh, early high school, only had some really good players. Missy Deshaun, Sharice uh, Wimberly. Um I remember when I was uh, younger also, um, oh gosh, she was from Lawrenceville. She was a really good, uh, Kathy Kaufman. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. She was a good, really good player. So I, especially I remember when I, in my like freshman and sophomore years, some some really good players around the conference. So it, it wasn't just a shoe in that, hey, Red Hill showed up and they won. There were some good teams mm-hmm. my freshman and sophomore years. We'll get into T-Town later, more later, but besides them, what teams? that you played against in high school. Yeah. Cause they're um, the only team that beat you your yeah, last three years. Right. So. But there had to be, there had <laughs> to be some crazy. teams that played you tougher than others, obviously. Um, you know what? My junior and senior year, it was T town and then not a lot. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. That sounds bad to say, uh, but it just, and I'm not saying just because they weren't as strong, we had a, an amazing team. Like I said, sure. yes, you could look at my numbers, but, I mean, Denise was averaging 15 to 20 points a game. Mary Martha was averaging double figures. I mean, you had multiple players averaging double, like high double figures. Um, Not many teams, even with one phenomenal player, could could, uh, 
do you could, think that match up to you think that so. uh, hurt you guys overall I when, it came, that, when it came later in the season? I, I think that's a really good yeah. point. And I, I thought about that uh, before I've, I've thought about a couple of things. First of all, could we have played better teams and how far away would we have to go to do that? We actually put McLeansboro on the, the schedule. And I remember that game. It, I'm not sure if it was my junior or senior year, but McLeansboro, it, it was, we went, ended up in one by double figures, but they have a very, uh, they slowed down. We, we were a high, high octane. Right, yeah. And their objective was, and how they played their whole season was slow down game. So I think that was good for us to play against that. Um, but yeah, I think David, you're right. Where, but where would we have had to have gone to find a, a team like that, which teams sure. have been the closest to give us that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Cause I think getting into that to tournament your last year, cause it was you T town, Olney and Charleston. It looked like who was a, had it looked like they had some good double a teams back then. So I think mm-hmm. that was a step in that direction, trying to get three, not that you wouldn't have played Olney in the regular season twice also, but they usually had pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but other than that, I don't – yeah, there weren't a lot of other teams around to – North Knox, maybe. I don't know. You know, you're right, though, North Knox. <laughs> yeah. um, when I was a junior, they had Trish Cullop, who went on and played um, – she played at Purdue. Oh, yeah, I remember that. They had a good team yeah. uh, as well. It's a good good point, though, uh, Chip. Now, like, thinking about Gary's team, and they go to Illinois and play teams. They go up north, you know, all the way almost to Terre Haute to play some teams. Right. I don't know why we didn't just cross the border. We never played Lincoln. We never played North Knox. Yeah, it was rare. like, it was rare. Like, I mean, none of the Red Hill, well, like baseball, we would play Lincoln in baseball. But other than that, um, yeah, we never really, never really crossed the river much for Yeah, for, it's for just, competition. I think about it now, it seems odd that we didn't. Uh, yeah. I think one of the things that your dad tried to do to what kind of the, in the same thing we're talking about here. I know after my eighth grade year, after our season ended, we, our season always ended like in February we started coming over and practicing against you guys, our, our, our eighth grade team. And, you know, now let's not you and Mary and Monica and this junior high boys are getting to go over and practice. We, we were pretty excited about that. Let's not be, uh, let's not, but that was something that I don't know how that came about. That, that and, was creepy. Uh, that was creepy. Maybe we can edit that out, but it's real. Let's be honest. I mean, come on. Um, you know, I don't know how that came to be, if that even that how that worked out. I mean, they bust us to the high school, so there was some sort of coordination for that to happen, and I really think that probably led to it because um, that was had to be something. We had a pretty pretty good athletes in our in our team, and uh, you know, I think it was good good for that because I know it probably it was hard to practice. Same thing with the competition. I hate not not to say anything bad about anybody, but you didn't have a lot of competition day to day in practice either. And that and that that's a that's a tough thing for especially small school teams to go through that. So I think that was something your dad also did to prepare was was that kind of practice. I don't I don't know how that came to be or if you even remember any of that. Oh, that- I totally remember it, and I so I don't know how it came to be, but I think um, I'll say this: I think it was a super smart decision. Whether it was my dad, I assume it was dad's idea. I don't know. In fact, we've never really talked about it, but. Um, yeah, because I remember my brother-in-law, Jason, he would come over. I know Jason, even mm-hmm. at the time, was over six foot tall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That at least helped us. You know, we knew we'd be playing teams with bigger players. Um, I think it was – I think it worked out great. And I think maybe – I couldn't remember if you guys were freshmen then or still in junior high, but I remember uh, I remember playing against you guys um, – you know, I think that's a challenge. I mean, my husband's at day school now, which is a small school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you might have uh, 
knock it out of the park starting five or six, but they've, they need to practice against somebody to make sure that when they get to those, you know, the sectionals, right. That they're ready for it. So similar mindset we talk about here, even today that just small schools struggle with, even if you've got a great starting five, um, you know, finding people to play against and make you better can be a real challenge. Yeah. Friend of Fred Kendall did my senior year. We brought in Matt McCullough and Eric Holtz and Eric Mosby and Brian Havel. Those guys came in and practiced. I don't know if that's even legal to even do anymore, (laughs) if that was even legal back then, but you know, it, it definitely something we needed every day to be challenged every day in practice and made us better for sure. I just interviewed, um, Gretchen Miles, the head coach of the Washington Hatchet uh, girls team on one of our other podcasts, the local sports podcast. And she's got a group of boys, high school boys, they call the CHBs, the could have beens, and they practice every day against the the varsity girls. But before we move on, you you mentioned playing with a couple of the the T-Town girls at Illinois. How much crap did you take on those first few conversations when you got on campus about the last three years of high school basketball? You know what? None. Okay. They didn't. They like I will tell you, Connie and Vicky are super nice people. Like they just they, I, they never said anything. I think too, they probably they kind of felt bad right. too. And that's just kind of how those two are. Yeah. They're just and I think it speaks so I would say about that program. I don't know about it now, but but then like they didn't have egos. Like they were really, really good but they didn't have egos and they, they weren't about pointing in your face or anything. Like they knew they were good. They, they didn't need anybody to tell them that, but they didn't need to come to me. Right. Cause they, they knew me and they liked me and they didn't want to, you know, yeah. and we were teammates then. Right. So I didn't take any crap, believe it or not. Well, they're better than I am because I hit one home run in my life and that was in the <laughs> regional final off of Delmer waters. And I still, every time I see him remind him of that curveball <laughs> that I knocked over the right field fence. <laughs> So I always, I was, you know, big fan, you know, saw everything that happened before from November to February, but uh, what were the off seasons like back then? I know now with high school teams, I mean, they play a full summer slate with, um, I know they were interrupted this past summer, but you know, they may play 30 to 40 games in the summer. Um, you know, there's team camps and shootouts all over the place. Um, you know, some of the more elite players play on, um, you know, AAU teams and so forth. What were those off seasons like back then that, that as fans that we didn't see that was going into what we, the product on the floor, November to February. It was so much different than it is now because now I see it from the, the coach's side, right. With my husband, but we open gyms and not even playing against, um, you know, setting up these shootouts, kind of like what you're talking about mm-hmm. where you have other teams come in and you have a day of just, you know, shootout games. Uh, two or three times a week. It was just open gym. We played against ourselves. Um, Denise and I, at times, um, I only remember this because I got pulled over by a police officer (laughs) on my way to Olney, but Denise and I would sometimes go over to Olney and play uh, with the Olney girls at open gym just to get not, so it wasn't our team necessarily, but Denise and I would go um, play with them, but it was really just about your team and open gyms and playing in that godforsaken hot, no air conditioning gym. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember going up to the top and opening up the windows with those things that kick out. Yep. Like that yeah. was air movement. And my boys go and it's like air conditioning. They're they're like, it's so hot in here. And I'm like, don't even get started. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I wish I had you something like sexier to tell you, 
I think um, I had mentioned team camp and we did that in high school and our big, you know, we were so proud that every year we went, we won it, but we went with, we went with the title in mind when we went to team camp, but that's just kind of the mentality of, of the girls I played with, like competitive, competitive, competitive. Um, we hated to lose. And I wasn't like people say, Oh, it's Mandy. Oh no, no, no. The team hated to lose. It wasn't right. just Mandy hated to lose. Yeah. And you guys didn't lose very much during your four years. And so we can kind of go into some of the seasons now and um, a few of the highlights from those seasons. So your freshman year, we talked about that a little bit, but that season was a 12 and seven season. So you didn't play, I surprised you played so few games because that was at the two regional games. So you would have only played 17 regular season games and then the schedule uh, the next three years you played more, but uh, so that year um, you averaged 27 a game as a freshman. So you're definitely, if people hadn't heard about you in junior high, you're definitely uh, on the map now um, as a freshman, uh, 10th in the state in scoring, you had a 37 point game. Already kind of talked about the the girls on that team, but the team that year went to the regional semifinals and lost to Fairfield. And then you were named all NEC conference and all Vincent's on commercial all area. So um, I know, I don't know if there's anything else we needed that freshman year. We pretty much cover that or anything else to mention from that year. No, it was, um, it was a great year. And I will tell you <laughs> the one thing I remember about that season. And again, you think about the things you remember through life. I remember we were playing Fairfield and they were a very good team um, that year. I don't think it was in regionals. It was more, it was a regular season game. And it was, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say seconds left. I go to the line and I had, I think maybe it was a two shot. I think it was a one-on-one and I think we were tied even. Well, okay. You're, you're sending the probably 80 something or 90% free throw shooter to the line, right? Like with seconds left in a tie game, you got to think your chances are good. Well, I missed it. I think there was a timeout. I came over, I sat down on the bench and I'm crying. My dad looked at me and he goes, I have no idea why you're crying. This game is not over. That's enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and I know that sounds weird. <laughs> you're like, well, maybe you had like 19 games that year. You had all these accolades. The one thing I remember is missing those free throws at the end of the game. And my dad was like, what are you crying about? Kind of like the, there's no crying in girls basketball, yeah, right? right. Um, yep. He was like, no, game's not over move on right it, and then and then our your sophomore year is really uh when things start really took off and i think even uh took people by surprise because you you know you're a, a above average you know 12 and 17 didn't so decent team the year before but uh i don't think people at least you guys in the in the locker room may have been expecting this but i don't think the fans and the opponents were expecting an undefeated uh, regular season the following year. So that sophomore year, you went 24 and one and um, you had three returning starters. So you had you, Denise and Yvette were back. And then as we talked about, Mary Martha would eventually join the starting five in game two. And then, uh, and then Michelle Weiss uh, was your, was your other starter that year. And then Cherry Davis, uh, Connie Cullison, Monica Cunningham would um, come off the bench um, during that season. But Obviously, that sophomore year, the one game that um, other than the one regular season game that everybody's going to think about first is the <laughs> the game against I... Robinson. Um, Red Hill wins 128 to 11. And you set a scoring record that night with 73 points, which just 
it absolutely I, we we had a fresh soft game at Robinson the boys did we had a fresh soft game at Robinson that night so I was not at that game but I remember coming home on route one with my dad on the way home in like Waco only the game wasn't broadcasting but somebody must have called Waco and they announced it on the on the air um it just it, I mean, it's still blows my mind today 37 years later 73 points in a game so yeah just talk about that night a little bit um well, it was, I think, the last regular season game of the year. Yeah, I know it was early February, so that sounds right. It was, um, so there is a little history behind that game. So uh, I was this, you know, they at that time they had the title of state's leading scorer. And so I was um, in the lead, but I was, it was very, very close with a woman, a, a girl from uh, Chicago, Yolanda Griffin, who who went on to play at Iowa. And so word on the street was that she was going to, you know, they were going to get her a lot of points so that she could try to take the scoring title. My dad actually talked to Robinson's coach and go, look, you know, we're going to try to get Mandy probably above her average tonight. Um, just wanted, she, he told her up front. So just be aware, you know, that, that that's probably what we're going to try to do. Well, they came out full court press, whatever. And dad was like, Okay. So we reciprocated the full court press and, and I think too, I, I I shot lights out that night on top of it. So that probably helped things, but you guys, which I didn't realize in junior high that they took me out of the game and then put me back in the same thing happened that night. I was taken out of the game and I guess uh, maybe Joe Jones or, one of the uh, the local newspaper guys went and they told my dad, and I can't remember, there might've been other people involved. They were like, you know, she's on pace. She has like 62 points. Like she's on pace for the state record of 70, you know, 72 is the state record. I remember going back in the game and my dad was like, would you just score? Like, I don't, I don't Shoot. recall that they told me what was going on, but <laughs> just please get some points and get, we'll get you back out. So anyway, that's how it all happened. Um, That's a little bit of history. Yeah. It's interesting because that was going to be one of my questions. Was this sort of plan going in? Because we've talked about on another podcast, um, the Lawrenceville guys basically said the night Marty came and scored 62, he's coming to score some points tonight. And so that was one of my questions on whether that was sort of planned or not. Did you guys catch much heat for that? It feels like that there was uh, I know without social media back then been different, but for scoring that many points on them. I know you told Robinson ahead of time, but did you catch anything from that from anybody? Um, you know, not, not really. Although I was on a, um, Oh, some kind of like leadership council. Um, and I was speaking at an event. It was in Robinson. It was, it wasn't just Robinson. It was more of a, a like a, a regional thing, but I was on, on the council and on the, uh, what are you, like the board that was on the stage and there was the girl from Robinson that stood up, stood up and asked me, you know, in front of everybody about, you know, how can you, how can, how can you do that? How can you, you know, basically take advantage? Oh, and wow. I was like, oh, Ouch. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know if it was considered a politically correct answer at the time, but I said, well, I'm not going to make excuses for, you know, scoring points. Doing, um, and, yeah, doing what we're out there to do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They yeah, need to get so, better. But you're so, um, there's a guy I work with down here in Evansville and I mean, I've worked with him when I was here before and he, I always call him my PR manager because everybody at work, he likes to tell them about the 73 points and stuff. 
And he told me, so I came back uh, in January to Evansville and back to uh, me, Johnson. And so he, he told me, he goes, you know, Mandy, he goes, I think I'm going to stop being your PR manager because these days, if you tell people that you beat somebody a hundred and something to 18, <laughs> you're probably going to take a, a lot of uh, social media backlash. Right, right. You guys, you're so right. It, it would be different now. Yeah. The state scoring record. Um, it was the court record. Uh, um, Simmons had 62 on that court. So you broke that. It was the, the former girls record was Susan Wright. She had a 52 point game like in 19. 19- 80. So um, she's one we, we bring up a lot when we talk about girls basketball. We like to have her on, on the show sometime. And then your dad had the family record of 48. So you obliterated that record as, as well that night. That was his career high in high school. So we'll kind of, so like I said, you, the Red Hill basketball's definitely arrived. Um, you, we make it. So we win the regional that year, won the regional over Casey, you get to the sectional, um, you beat Nokomis in the sectional semifinals, and then you play to topless in the sectional title game. Um, that so this was our first regional in seven or eight years, I guess. Um, so you came in there twenty four and zero. You're ranked eighth in the state. T Town is ranked number one, and they are also undefeated at that time. Um, to me, as a fan, um, I know as you like maybe your last game was the most heartbreaking losing that one, man. As a fan, this game, your sophomore year that you lost to T-Town, that was the biggest heartbreaker for me. I mean, I was I was distraught after what a that game. one. Uh, I thought we had that one. So any any memories from that sectional, that sectional title game that you want to talk about? I honestly, one of the biggest memories I have of that game, it's more the crowd. Like it was electric. I don't think yeah. I'd ever <laughs> played in front of as many people. It was, the place was packed and it was loud and, um, and it was just, it was intense. And I think for me, that was my first experience of so many people and just the energy and enthusiasm, um, from our, our fans. Like it was just, that is what I remember about that game. Um, certainly we, we didn't win and it was heartbreaking, but it was that realization of, wow, these people like they really love us. Like right. they truly did. You could feel, yeah. you could feel the pressure in that gymnasium. Yeah. That night. Yeah. I, mean, I can You're still right, feel that. Yeah. And you guys took the lead by one late in the game. And I mean, that the gym was so loud at that point and I it was just shaking. Almost. Yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And looking back at the, I went back and looked at the article. We were down 17 to four early in that game. So it looked like early that T-Town was going to run away with things. And as the number one team, they were going to do what a lot of people expected them to do. But yeah, we ended up take, we led late 47, 46, but then ended up final scores 50 to 47. They scored the last four points, but yeah, great game. And, and we'll get to, you know, it's, they'll come up again in, in a couple more years, but so your sophomore year, as I said, we went 24 and one, uh, that being the only loss and you averaged 35 per game that year. You were Chicago Tribune first team all state. I think it said in the paper, the only person outside of like Cook County, um, the Chicagoland area that was on the first team all state team. So wow. quite an honor for a downstate downstate player. Um, so we'll go into your junior year now. Um, and that year you averaged 35.4 um, a game. We had four starters back that year. So we graduated Yvette Hutchings and then Cherry Davis entered the starting lineup to go along with um, you and Denise Bowser and Mary Martha Cunningham and um, 
uh, Weiss um, was the other starter, and then Monica and Connie Cullison coming off the bench. So um, that year um, did lose one regular season game. That was in that T-Town tournament that we had talked about um, that you had got into that year. Um, and then won the regional once again over Casey. And then in the sectional, once again, I think we once again maybe beat Nokomis in the semifinals and then played T-Town the finals again and and lost that game 62-52. Um, so anything um, particular about that junior season or any of those games that you want to talk about there or any, any memories? No, um, not really. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say anything stuck out. It, um, you know, sometimes it would that's why i think sometimes i remember more of what was around the games like yeah. with all the friendships and the bus rides and just all all the fun times because sometimes the games they just weren't that competitive and i mm-hmm. and i right i hope that doesn't come off the wrong way but you know we, we would go into a game and it wasn't are you going to win it's how much are you, how much are you going to win by, by how many points is going to score yeah. right and and sometimes as for me, that became the pressure of not so much are we going to win, but, you know, everybody's watching the points, right? Um, which I know no one's uh, strumming violins for me, and they shouldn't <laughs> because I was very fortunate and blessed. But that becomes the pressure. It's not are we going to win. It's more about how will the, how much will we win by, how, you know. Do, was it, you know, you talked about the crowd that night and then on subsequent nights that you played T-Town in those big games. I think even more so, and and as having a daughter that plays sports, in both at the high school and the college level, it it gets ignored at times, and even at the success you guys were having, that must have been such a shock when you enter the tournament and you go from playing to relatively empty gyms to all of a sudden a massive crowd. <laughs> um, do did you go ever go in the locker room and think, wow, like this is crazy? What's going on right now? Yeah. Yes. Like, but it, it was like, it gives you so much energy. That's right. why when people, if you don't play in front of a big crowd, you don't get the, 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 what people mean when they say um, home crowd advantage or, right. but, but some of those games weren't even at home. We had people coming to watch us from, you know, we, uh, we talked about that game my, into my sophomore year at sectionals or super sectional, no suits sectionals. Um, but then even at T-Town my senior year for the Christmas tournament, like we, we Red Hill filled our whole half of the yep. gym and it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just about being at home. Like there's something about that energy that just, it does feed a team. And when you know that people are there to watch you, like they, these people traveled to watch you. They like, they, they care about you. They want to see you win. Like, there's some there's something pretty significant to that. And, and your teams really ushered in um, the success period we had at Red Hill. We had had some pretty lean times, other than a couple of football teams here and there. And that's like when, when Chip said, you know, or Dave, when we got down 17 to four early, and then you came back against this obviously great team to take the lead late. Your teams ushered in a successful period going forward at Red Hill, and and I don't I, I just don't want that to be lost that. You guys are the ones that introduced this big time sports to to Red Hill. Yeah, I feel like that whole here, you know, you guys did one of the podcasts on the 88, 89, like across the school, all mm-hmm. the programs. Like there, 
I feel like maybe through the girls that we fostered that other really good teams across the school, the, right. the boys, whether it was football, baseball, basketball, like there was so much winning and excitement during yep. that time. Um, it was a, a great, great time to be in high school. Yeah, for yes, sure. It was. Our community. Weird. And I think that that's what was so cool to right. me. Like the whole community was just in it. Yeah, for sure. During the, we talked about, speaking of the 88, 89 podcast, uh, I remember reading an article. Uh, your dad was quoted saying that, T-Town, that was the best team that they had that of, of the times. Do you, would you agree with that? Which team would that be? That your, junior, your junior year team. Yeah, I think they were better than when – that team was better than the team when I was a senior. Yeah. Because that would, was Connie Ruhal a year older than you? Would have she been a senior on that? So they had her okay. plus all those kids from the next year yeah. on yeah. that team. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so we're getting ready to go – so we're, we're all state again. We're all – Vincent, Sun Commercial, NEC MVP. Uh, so we're between our junior and senior year here. So I'm going to segue to Brian a little bit for some recruit. Let's go into some recruiting now because I'm sure that's picking up steam. Chicago Tribune, Allstate the last two years. Uh, there's got to be some recruiting going on. So let, Brian, if you got any questions. Well, I just, I even back in December of 88, when that first article came out that talked about your dad and, and his history and, and what you were doing, and, and they mentioned some big time programs even then, so that would have been your sophomore year. What? When did all that the real recruiting start, and how did that process go? And was was Illinois always in front, or were you really considering other schools and, and whittled it down? Oh, you're right. It it, it really uh, cranked up my sophomore year. Uh, you know, when you score a lot of points, it gets people's attention, right? I mean, whether we like that or not, that's that's that tends to get people's attention. So averaging in the thirties and then capping it off with a 73 point performance, right. um, obviously got a lot of people's attention. Um, and lots of mail, lots of mail. <laughs> but for me, um, I was very much, I'm very close with my family. So it was important for me. And my dad was still going to be coaching, uh, cause my sisters and everything. Um, well, and plus with the business that they're in, you know, they can't just take off right. for the yeah. weekend and stuff. So being close to home or at least close enough, my family could come watch me was important. So I'd always put that ring around, ring around Bridgeport, right. Of like, what's, what's drivable and doable right. for my family. Um, so there was always Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, um, Illinois state. I'd gone there to camp, as I'd mentioned previously and gotten to know the, the coaching staff really well. Um, so those were kind of the, the lead horses, if you will, all along those, those four schools. I would not say that Illinois was always at the top. Um, I grew up uh, where we lived. I got more of the IU games right. than we did. Illinois. I, games. I watched more IU basketball. It was men's basketball, but nevertheless, you know, more mm-hmm. from that. Um, and dad went to Purdue. I had gone to several of the Purdue elite camps. Um, I knew their staff pretty well. Um, honestly, at the end, it comes down to um, program needs, right? right? So what what do they need? What do, what do I have to offer? And that's where when it came right down to it, Illinois just became the perfect fit. Um, Illinois State signed a, a player the same year as me. Her name was Courtney Porter, and she was a guard, shooting guard. She ended up going there. Um, anyway, everything just kind of 
worked its way and it became Illinois. And yeah. honestly, it couldn't have worked out any better because I was fortunate to, to step into, you know, they needed a shooting guard and they had actually recruited a junior college player um, and that just didn't work out. And so I was able to, to work my way into that spot. So, yeah, it, but recruiting was, um, it, I think it was probably different then too. Sure. Yeah. My boy, they think I'm so crazy because uh, I was recruited by Harvard. And so I remember sitting in our kitchen, talking to the coach at Harvard. Well, she, she was like, you can come here and be an impact player and this, that, and the other. And, and I'm thinking, lady, you're in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm not leaving my family. <laughs> my boys are like, mom, you could have gone to Harvard. I'm like, yeah, for what? A year and been miserable and right. come home. Yeah, no bias here, but you made the right choice. So. Yeah. It's, <laughs> what did you say? It's a bias. Exactly. No, no, no bias. I, I <laughs> um, it was, it was a perfect fit for me and it, 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 it was a great time, a blessing and yeah. it all worked out. When, when, when all that was going on, was, was that pretty much just internal between you and your mom and dad, or was there other people at Red Hill that got involved, maybe athletic director that helped out with any of that? It was really within the family of, um, you know, what, and I don't even remember like lots of in-depth conversations about it. Like I think of the conversations I have with my boys who are, you know, one already went to college, one going to college and all these, I asked them 500 questions. We talked to admissions counselors at the schools and I, we just didn't have that level of detailed conversations. It was like, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great school. Yeah. It, two hours and 15 minutes from home. It, it, it's got a program that I could fit into really well. Like it was that simple. Yeah. And, and I know we're, we're we'll um, kind of finish this up and then Chip will talk about your senior year and how you finished up at Red Hill. But now when did you make your decision as far as that you were, you were going to go to, to U of I? Well, they came to the house, um, did a home visit and it was in October. It was definitely in the fall. I remember that. And really great visit uh, with my, my, my whole family. A couple of the coaches were there and on the spot, they offered me a scholarship. I told them that I would get back to them on it. They leave. And my dad goes, you're kidding me. You didn't accept the offer. And I'm like, well, I thought maybe we would talk about it as a family, <laughs> just to make sure, you know, that I didn't say something and get every, you know, cause a big ruckus. So the next day, um, I, verb I called them and verbally committed. And then I did the official signing. I think it was November. So I think they were, I think they came to Bridgeport in October, made the verbal offer and I, I verbally okay. uh, accepted and then signed in November. Yeah. So you've got, so you've signed, so it's time for your senior season to start. You've already signed with Illinois. So you got that pressure off of you and you can just focus on your senior year and, uh, once again, return four starters. And then, so Monica joins, Monica Cunningham joins the starting five now along with you and Denise and Mary Martha and Cherry um, will be our starting five. And uh, you you mentioned the atmosphere. I think that this was the night you were talking about the atmosphere uh, there. That And it was an incredible atmosphere. I know we've got the game on tape. Gary's actually got the VHS of it. Uh, I need to get that up on YouTube sometime, but um you can on that recording because I think Wabash Cablevision had it on or something like that. I recorded it, and um, you, I mean, you can just see the huge crowd. Where in 
even Red Hill fans spilled over to the other side too because he was talking about <laughs> some of the people we were seeing sitting behind the Red Hill bench there. Uh, Bob Bagby was back behind the Red Hill bench. We, we noticed on the video. Um, so I know he was his one year at Red Hill. I know he was a huge fan and supporter of the girls basketball program as well. And, and we beat T-Town. Yep. So for those that weren't around during that time, we did. This this was a huge night because they've uh, we played them three times over the last two years and lost all three games, and we got over the hump that night. The Sun Commercial called this the biggest win ever for Red Hill girls basketball. So I know you already mentioned that, uh, kind of talked about it a lot, but anything else from that game that you remember beating T Town that night? I just remember um, beyond just the atmosphere, right? And the and, and T Town's not just you know a twenty minute drive. It's a it's a decent drive. Um, and it was Christmas, so just people making the trek there uh, to support us, and just the vo- the volume of the noise and the crowd. And uh, I remember in the last minute of the game, like it was the first time that I felt like, oh my gosh, we might actually pull this off. And just having like a smile on my face um, when I had, I think someone was shooting a free throw and I had gone back and looking at one of my teammates and like, we looked at each other with these smiles of like, oh my gosh, I think we just might do this. Um, And then after the game, um, you know, (laughs) Julie Bell uh, was one of our uh, managers and she was out in the mid court, like swinging her towel and everybody was just so excited. And I think that, just that type of atmosphere—that—that's um, my biggest memory, honestly. I, yeah. Ask me, like this, what happened during the game? I can't. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, fifty-two forty-three win, and I thought I—I I remember this moment. I thought it was neat before the game, like when they were doing the pregame introductions. I think they because we talked about Klingler was also going to Illinois. I think they had you guys like meet at half court or something, yep. like re- and announced your you know these two players will be teammates next year. I thought that was That's really cool. neat when they did that that night. Yep, we were teammates and roommates. All right, and so um, a, a great senior year. Um, we uh, once so we go in undefeated into the postseason and um, won the regional over Newton, sectional semifinal win over Pena. And then um, final game of your career, we did lose to T-Town in the championship of of that um, sectional. So over that three-year span, only lost four games, and all four of them were to Teutopolis. And they did win state all three of those years. I don't know if I mentioned that yet, but so those years they knocked out Red Hill in the sectionals, they went on to win state. And I think pretty much kind of rolled the state titles I think we were always their biggest roadblock um, yeah. getting those championships. So it's, you know, it's also, it's always, you know, what could have been type things if they, you know, if they weren't in our way, you know, maybe Red Hill could have had three state titles um, during that era, but obviously all NEC again, all state again, all area again. So yeah, any final thoughts on that game or in your senior season? Uh, that final game, I remember um, they basically but her last name was Hodebeck and they like, all she did was her face was right here. Like literally the whole game. Um, she face guarded me the entire game. I mean, it was a yeah. smart move. Kudos to them. I mean, they uh-huh. did what they, they should have mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Um, we just plain got beat that game. Um, you know, like there's not much you can, can say about it. Um, they, they had 10 players with 10 points. They, they, they played a, 
a team game. They completely took me out of the game. I think it's one of those where I was reading it, it, when we, when we moved down here to Evansville, I was doing some consolidation and stuff. And I, I read the article on that game and I thought about it and I'm like, the article said Mandy scored a career low 16, 16 points. <laughs> How blessed of a career do you have? Right. If your <laughs> lowest scoring game is 16 points, like yeah. you can think about it and that just doesn't happen. And, and how fortunate, like, you know, you can't look back and have regrets. Right. Yeah. What was that like in the locker room? You know, you, you, your group of girls have been together for so long mm-hmm. and, and played so many just monster basketball games. Was there a moment where y'all just sat there kind of quiet and looked at each other and had a moment? There were a lot of red eyes, let's put it that way. And I think, you know, and I think at that point, you don't really have to say anything, right? right. We just looked at each other. And we, I mean, for me, I was still going to go on and play. For Denise, she was still going to go on and play. But we all knew it would be different, right? Sure. Mary Martha, she would come back to play, but she was coming back to play with a completely new right. team, right? right? The team she had played with. Um, and I remember my dad, um, this is like, you know, the things you remember. And I came out of the game, you know, it, the, he took me out before time went out, was over and he put his arms around me and he, he said, I'm sorry. He goes that I couldn't get you there. Mm. Went to the state title. Yeah. Like dad, that isn't I didn't say <laughs> the time that down, but I'm like, that wasn't your job, right. but I must be something that I always remember. Sure. Absolutely. To me, when I, you know, you think of numbers in sports, DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak, 56, Ted Williams, 406 batting average. That The other number that stands out to me is 3165. I've got that uh, number <laughs> memorized. Um, that was uh, your career scoring total. So um, was up one of the all-time leading scores in state history since then a few people have passed. You know, I found it interesting that um, to the, the two people at the top now, one and two on the list that both scored, over 4,000 points were um, um, Tyra Buss, obviously, at Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. and Brittany Johnson. NEC players. So, yeah, so I it's know. kind of three of the top girl scorers in the history were all uh, – they weren't in any – you know, the NEC wasn't around when they were in high school, but we're all from NEC schools. So, uh, But your name's still near the top of the leaderboard there, one of the all-time league scorers in state history. So I just, I just wanted to make sure I got that in there, Brian. Yeah, no, that's good, and, and I'm glad you did because I had a question written down that, that uh, I, I would have forgotten to ask. I we spent a lot of time. We lived in Batesville for years, so we would go to Bloomington a lot to watch a lot of IU women's games with with my daughter's teams and stuff. And looking through the records that you are in there, and obviously with your impressive stats, but you know you see Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. Did you see her play much? Because you two, your games were very similar in the fact that you outworked everybody. You you everybody on the team was there to try to get. Both of you open. Did did you see her play much? And and what do you think about um, her game? Not much in high school. Um, I did watch some of her games from college, um, but I think you're right, Brian. That's kind of that's why I have so much respect for her because I think that she she did and does you know even now I'm sure she's working hard. Um, it's just like in her DNA to yeah. work hard. She never took anything for granted. And I don't believe that she really has an ego. So um, I guess I have a, and I don't know where we've corresponded, but I don't know her. Um, but yeah, um, she's, she's just all over the place, right? Yeah. She's just stops. Yeah. It, it, very similar that when I watched her play at IU, I thought that. 
What's it like as you walk on campus as a freshman from a small town and going to play Big Ten basketball? You know, it's weird. I never really felt like um, overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, In hindsight, I wonder how I didn't. But I think uh, when you go and you have this already insulated group, like this team, um, that that was certainly helpful. Yeah. you know, and, and it's very structured. So you've got class, you've got practice, um, you've got study table, mandatory for freshmen. Um, like there wasn't a lot of free time, yeah. which I think is, was really good. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I never felt like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm lost or I don't know what to do. Um, How was your time with Coach Lindsay, Kathy Gordon Lindsay, that you played for there? She's an amazing lady. Um, she and I are still uh, good friends. She, um, so I was not recruited by her. So oh, okay. I was recruited by Coach Golden. Coach Golden um, resigned, whatever, uh, during the summer before my freshman year. So I went on campus with a new head coach oh, okay. who didn't recruit me. So, you know, there was uh, kind of an element of, wow, I got to, you know, figure this out because she had been at Ohio state as an assistant, but I had never been recruited by Ohio state. So it wasn't as if she knew, knew right. me. Um, interestingly enough, one of my teammates who was also a, a freshman, she was the uh, Gatorade player of the year in Ohio and had been recruited by coach Lindsay, but went to Ellen. She, she came to Illinois. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have somebody who's the same position as me who my new coach recruited to play at Ohio state. And now she's in Illinois, but um, anyway, it, it worked, it worked out for me. Okay. Yeah. Did you start, did you start from the beginning up there? I did. I thought so, but it was whenever, but, but before our, um, Oh, we had like uh, orange and blue games. Like we went to Decatur Eisenhower or something and had an intra-squad game there. We did a couple of intra-squad games out of town Um, Going into those, like in the first exhibition game, I didn't start. Then we had these two uh, blue-orange games. And I don't know, and I can't describe it, something clicked. Like I had always been an aggressive scorer, be aggressive with the basketball, shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, And I I hadn't quite gotten there. Um, And something clicked in the blue-orange game, and I ended up and led the team in scoring, my team, my blue team in scoring, and um, I started the first regular season game and the rest is history. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you were, I've got the stats here, um, at the time that this article was written. So at the time, I'm not sure if this still stands, you had the, the rookie record of 13.3, a game, sophomore, 15.3 junior, 10.9, and then 16, four as a senior. So just a really, really solid big 10 career that you had at Illinois. Yeah. And I don't even know what I expected that that would be something I'd say is a hallmark of me. Sometimes I, I'm just a, I think a product, if you go out there and you work hard, things will happen. Now that doesn't always work out. I've learned in the corporate world, but I think that that was always my philosophy. I never expected to go in and start. I never expected to get some of these accolades, especially in college, but it happened. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Fortunate. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Now, after you, after you, uh, your career at Illinois, 
How do you, do you do it in business? What do you do to shut off? You can't just shut off that competitiveness. And, and I don't know, I don't know of any, was there any outlets to continue to play basketball for you at a, at a recreational level? Or did you, did you really just kind of hang it up at that point? Um, honestly, at that point, um, I was ready to, to take a break. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's high school was, you know, it's time consuming, but college was, you know, it's, it's a job. Um, and I enjoyed it, but when it was done, I was ready to be like, whoo, yeah. time, it's time to take a break. Uh, but certainly there is that piece of competitiveness that you start to miss. Um, so I am fortunate to have that outlet through, um, through work, obviously, right. but, um, and, but I like, even, you know, after I kind of got through my first year of like, okay, I guess now I should probably like get, start doing something <laughs> physical activity. Like I, so I enjoy working out, but I don't, I don't work out in groups. I, I, I challenge myself. People are always like, don't you need a workout partner? I'm like, nope. I think that's how I'm wired. I, uh, I motivate myself. It's weird, I guess. Yeah. But. No, that's good. That's good. Now, did you ever have any ideas or did you ever do any coaching in, in the different places you lived or did you ever have any coaching aspirations at all? <laughs> the only coaching I did was my boys <laughs> <laughs> interview them on that. Um, you know, I tell Gary that at times that I would, I think I would like to coach girls someday. Um, uh, obviously I don't have any of my own, so it would just be purely for the fun of coaching. Right. Um, it's time right now that is the limiter between work. And then obviously my own children are the priority and I want to watch them every opportunity I get, but, uh, maybe after that I would, uh, would coach. And I even tell Gary, I go, well, maybe I could like help someone coach. He goes, Mandy, I know you too well. He goes, you aren't going to want to help anyone. You're going to want to do it. (laughs) You know, along those lines, and and then we'll probably kind of wrap this up here, but you, you came back in a, in a, a unique position as, as the star player that you were when you were in school. You come back as what can be a difficult position as the boys' basketball coach, the boys' basketball coach's spouse in a small town. What kind of pressures did that bring? Were you apprehensive about that at all, or, or were you ready to go when Gary took that job? Um, I actually encouraged him to, so I was I was ready for it. I think – whether it's in your hometown or whether it's anywhere, um, you know, you, that's unfortunately how coaching seems to be. Right. Um, and usually it revolves around people and kids playing times. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's just a, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just seems to be unfortunately part of, part of it, but what you have to look past, uh, you have to look past that and see the joy um, in, in this case, my husband gets in coaching and having those player relationships. Right. Um, and I see the joy he gets from that, whether that's in my hometown or anywhere. And that's why it was important for me that he got back into coaching because he had gotten out of it following me in my career. And I'm like, you know what? We only go around this, this world one time and people need to to do the, do what they're passionate yeah. Uh, about. So, yeah. And you know, I, I just, I, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. You know, we talk a lot about you and your sisters and your dad, your mom was the rock of that family. Just a sweet lady. Brian, you don't want to get me emotional. 
get emotional quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was, she was definitely the rock. And I think I'll always remember when I, they retired my number and I, I, what I said about my mom was my mom always seemed to seemed to see things with rose colored glasses, right? Dad would, he saw instead of the, you know, nine out of 10 things that I did, right. There would be the one thing not. And right. that tends to be my, I'll, I'll focus on the one thing I didn't do. Right. And so right. dad, but mom, it was never even, it was never even about the success of the team or my own personal success. Like we didn't sit around and talk about it. Like mom, mom was just always there. And I think the biggest thing I would say that I had no idea about what my mom had been doing behind the scenes was I, I, so here is my uniform. (laughs) I don't think because it's so dark on here, but all of these things I found it. Like she had kept all of these things for me. I have, my uniforms from college, um, all these uh, uh, newspaper articles, just everything like behind the scenes, I guess mom had kept all of this. So, uh, you know, the times I'm like mom driving to all the games because even in college, um, you know, dad was still coaching, so he couldn't make it to all the games. Mom would drive and she would drive back home that night because right. she might very well have another game to go to, or they might have a funeral service and she had to get to get things ready there. Cause you know, she was behind the scenes everywhere, making everything happen. So obviously once we lost her, we realized it even more, of right. the things that she did, but, um, yeah, but yeah, you, she's the rock. Yeah. She's the rock. She was a fantastic lady. Um, chip sum up Mandy Cunningham, Wilsey's career. Uh, I mean, obviously you said at the beginning, I mean, most, um, and we, when you mentioned the beginning, you said the most prolific player in Red Hill history, you didn't like clarify the most prolific girls player in Red Hill history. It was the most prolific basketball player in the history of Red Hill high school. I was so lucky to be in high school a year behind her at the same time. I don't even know if she remembers this. I got her autograph at school one day. (laughs) Um, I, I, I bought a U of I hat over at that sports haven in vincent's whatever it was called and um so i know she's going to u of i so she actually signed my university of illinois hat so i was a big fan so it's an honor to have her on the show today and one thing i didn't even get to during my high school part was um i know she mentioned about uh battling her and denise were competitive on the court and in the classroom but she was also valedictorian uh, of her class so um great academic great student great academic career also so just um, I know our, you know, our listeners are going to really enjoy, um, this episode and we were, um, so, so glad that you came and very much with us today. So thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm thankful for so many things. I'm thankful to have grown up in Bridgeport in that, uh, wonderful community. So yeah, it's, it's been a great, great opportunity for me and a great life. I couldn't be, um, uh, happier to, to be included in this group. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. And, uh, we will, we will root for the rest of your family at, at Evansville day school this year. <laughs> Please. We need all that okay. we can do. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Mandy. All right. Thanks, take Mandy. care. Yeah. We'll see you, Mandy. Bye. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Well, guys, how good was that? Fantastic. Hey, we've, we've made it to 10 episodes and uh, I don't, there were some detractors early. Didn't think we'd make it 10 episodes. So I think that was a good one, a good number. 
uh, episode number 10 to have Mandy on the show. I, I really enjoyed that. She, yeah, she's just, uh, just such a genuine person and was, was of all the personal accolades that she had, she made sure she talked about how important the rest of that team was. And, and, yeah. and, and she, and she's not just saying that you can tell that that is exactly the way she feels. That's what I genuine, as I say, she's genuine. She's humble. She's, you know, like I said, she's made a great success in life. And uh, yeah, just that, that was fun. And I was really excited uh, to do that and to go back and relive some of those memories was uh, fantastic. Dave, how, how pressure cooker, pressure cooker feeling were those t- uh, Red Hill T-Town games? <sighs> that, you know, the, the one her software, yeah, the Vandalia game, yeah. her right. sophomore, that still goes for me. That wasn't my first time ever seeing her play. That goes to me like one of the top three atmospheres I've ever experienced at a Red yeah. Hill game. Yeah, it, it, yeah good it, point. Uh, that uh, and actually the t the t town game uh her senior year probably in that top probably yeah. in that top three as well yeah what what a what a fantastic interview and a fantastic person and and definitely a fantastic basketball player and and i said it at the top of the show and i'm gonna say it we not boys not girls just just that's she's the greatest ever that was uh what a fantastic career she had and and like you said, put Bridgeport Red Hill on the map, and we truly appreciate her coming on the show. Definitely get behind the court or the gymnasium uh, name for the Cunninghams. I would be oh, behind like that. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll start that movement right now. Yes. Cunningham Court. <laughs> Anything else, guys? I don't think so. All right. Nothing. We've got some big shows coming up. Um, we'll have some little shows. We'll have some big shows. Now that, honestly, now that the weather's going to start deteriorating a little bit and we're in our houses more, I would guess there's going to be more shows. Uh, so, like I say, please let People's uh, State Bank, Grace, the Pizza House, and Andrew's Insurance know you heard about them right here. And uh, if your business would like to be a part and get word out to five to 500 to 1,000 of uh, local residents every single show, you want to get your word out, let us know. We'll be happy to get that word out on our podcast. Just email us at oldschoolredhill at gmail.com or contact one of us on on the Facebook page, and we will be happy to get you information on that. So on that note, the Old School Radio Podcast is a production of Impulse Radio, and it is written, directed, and produced by Brian Emmons, Chip Jamerson, Gary Emmons, and David King. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. We are Red Hill. Red Hill.